Welcome to the Weekend Sports Buzz here on 1450 WXVW. I am Kelly Patrick coming at you as we do every Sunday from 10 until noon, talking all things in the world of sports right here in the Louisville, Southern Indiana market. I'm joined by Mike Gandolfo this morning and the lovely Ashley Miller. How are you all doing this morning? Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> What's up? Um, I'm confident that this is not the appropriate music to start the weekend sports when <laughs> okay. I'm here. <laughs> this is a song I really like. I have by no Rob- idea who this is. Robert Cray, one of the greatest modern blues Blues. I can, I can dig blues. This song is great. Can I, can I do this a little more? Sure. We don't have to go on, but I could listen to that for the whole, you know, the entirety of the song. It's a six-minute song. But Robert Cray, a great musician. How are you doing this morning, Mike? Are you there? I'm good. The blues are appropriate for me this morning, so. I was actually angling that toward Mike. Ouch. That's okay. It's fair. I mean, the, uh, you know, I think if anything, though, what we learned from last yesterday's noon football game, I was actually probably more upset about the Notre Dame football game than the Kentucky loss just because Notre Dame was actually playing for something. But at least that Notre Dame game was a really great game to watch and really entertaining. Uh, if we learned anything from the Kentucky U of L game yesterday, the two things is uh, that we don't have a, that neither one of these teams is very good. And that um, <laughs> playing at the last game of the year is going to kill this rivalry. So that's the two things I took away. Uh, main things from from Washington. why 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 do you think it this is rivalry why I can't even say it it's R- rivalry weekend it's Sunday morning I can't talk um well, why do you think that that would kill the rivalry well I mean just if you looked in the stands yesterday you know, it was a little bit of a messy day but it wasn't uncomfortable I mean it was the rain was uh it was for the most part it was just like a really steady drizzle until. Uh, at, I don't know maybe it was like midway through the third quarter picked up a little bit but it was never like terrible to stay out there in the rain and the crowd although Commonwealth was probably minus the student section because the student section was terrible which is probably only about two-thirds of the way full biggest mistake Kentucky ever made was putting that student section behind the that one goal post where it's always on TV because they're they're awful and then, uh, I mean, and UofL's contingency was probably the, the least amount of fans I've seen by any visiting team in Commonwealth Stadium in the last couple of years. There was just, uh, it was, you know, the game was on the SEC network at noon instead of if it was at the beginning of the year, it would have been on ESPN or ESPN2, maybe ESPNU in worst case scenario, but it would have had a primetime spot with like a 7 o'clock start. And we just can't compete with those other rivalries, and I don't, I don't see us ever because we're not football schools. Neither one of the schools is a football school. And uh, once, if you play this game after basketball season starts, it's just you know going to get lost in the shuffle. There was really no real excitement leading up to it. There was not a whole lot of talk or buzz or any kind of thing like if we would have had the first game of the year, you would have had two teams instead of having two teams who were disappointed about the way their seasons have gone so far this year. You would have had two teams at the beginning of the year that were excited. We would have talked about it for six weeks, and there would have been a whole lot of true excitement going to the game. 
And last night, just I mean, yesterday, and I don't think this was just me as a Kentucky fan, it felt pretty much the way across the board. It just felt like you were just going to a regular football game. So I, I, I heard, I felt like the last week, especially, there was a lot of hype and a lot of talk about Kentucky. You know, this was their chance to be bowl eligible. So it, it became a, um, Kentucky's playing for something bigger than the governor's cup. So I, I heard that. I felt that um, kind of, that buzz. It um, meant something, Mike. Around the game. You, you can't deny that it meant something. Particularly for Kentucky fans. I'm sure that the, that the weather um, has a lot to do with it because, I mean, I, me personally, I wouldn't go sit in that um, for any game. I don't care what game it was and who we were playing against. So I'm sure that had a lot to do with it. Um, and, I, I mean, I, I do agree that the two – you know, having it on rivalry re- weekend is tough because you have the Florida, Florida State. You have, um, you ha- you know, the Auburn and Alabama. Like you have all of those big time like SEC school or big time um, historically strong college football programs playing against each other. However, um, I would beg to differ in terms of saying they're two not very good teams. Um, I honestly I a good team on the field yesterday. I mean, there was not a good team on the field yesterday. Well, I mean, if you're considering all elements combined, um, it's very hard to play a clean football game in wet, sloppy conditions. Period. Yeah. Regardless and, of who you are. And Mike, let's let's look at it from this perspective. Louisville has the 35th strength of schedule in the country, and they finish the regular season seven and five. Opportunity to go to a okay bowl game and finish the season with eight wins. How bad of a team is that, Mike? How how bad of a team is what? If you had the eye test of watching those two football teams yesterday, you saw Lamar Jackson, who was as electrifying of a player as you'll see. Argue, I mean, outside of the Alabama running back, I mean, who? What individual put on a more uh, impressive individual performance yesterday in the country than Lamar Jackson? Oxmoor Chrysler Dodge Jeep and Ram Buzz Line is five zero two three eight four fourteen fifty. Mike is saying he didn't see anything impressive from Louisville yesterday. I am yeah. saying I saw I Michael Vick 2.0. About Lamar Jackson, though, is that every running quarterback does that against Kentucky. It doesn't matter who it is. If you're a running quarterback, and that's why I was actually shocked to see Kyle Bolin start the game yesterday. Yeah. Because if you look at what Kentucky struggles against overall, and this is like what's so frustrating. I mean, obviously, because Lamar Jackson – has had struggled to do that against the rest of the ACC because other teams can figure out how to defend the read option. But for whatever reason, Kentucky continually gets beat with the read option, and their coaches are unable to make an adjustment. What I what I what I saw is I did see Bobby Petrino outcoach Mark Stoops yesterday, and that, I don't think there's any question in that whatsoever. There's going to be a shakeup in Lexington on the coaching staff. I don't think Stoops is in danger, but you're definitely going to see some changeups in the assistants. But every every one quarterback, whether it was Tennessee, you know, or it was it Dak Prescott at, at Mississippi State, they struggle handling that running quarterback, and they cannot they don't they cannot seem to adjust. And uh, even if you go back to the the Florida game when the the first touchdown Kentucky gave up, Florida scored their touchdown off a, a, a quarterback run around the corner where they broke containment and they continually break containment and uh, and give up unbelievable rushing yards to quarterbacks. It's unbelievable to me. And uh, and again, the other part about that too is 
Kentucky cannot handle adversity at all. So you had 150 yards by Kentucky before Boone Williams, which will go down as the worst untimed down in the history of Kentucky football. Because not only, you know, losing Boone Williams at that point, you go from 150 yards in the first quarter to to now you didn't have Boone Williams. You had a very limited JoJo Kemp who probably shouldn't have played at all, but went out there just to try to see what he could do. And now you're on your third string running back. But without Boone Williams specifically, it was almost like when they would, when Kentucky didn't have Randall Cobb a couple of years ago, but Boone Williams is nowhere as good as Randall Cobb. They could not have any sense of an of an offense. You saw, and that didn't change. I mean, it wasn't like, I don't think Louisville's defensive scheme changed at all, but what you saw was the pressure went from, the focus went from Boone Williams to Drew Barker. Drew Barker was never comfortable in the in the pocket the entire game. So now that he doesn't have to, his safety, his safety net in Boone Williams, they have no offense whatsoever. They what, got one first down in the second half. I mean, it was, it was, it was ridiculous. And um, overall, uh, you know, if you want to go back to like Lamar, I thought Lamar and, and Brandon Ratcliffe, they had that read option. They were great. They were in a lot of rhythm. But like when he had a throw downfield, even though I know he completed a lot, they were punts. I mean, he threw the loftiest deep balls I've ever seen in my life. And, yeah, for, Kentucky, yeah. and for Kentucky to not be able to defend that and even get a, someone in the area, it was, it was appalling from that standpoint because they would not be able to get away with that against any other team. No question about it. There was some sloppy play out there, and it wasn't very scientific. Um, what Louisville excelled at was a very deliberate, in my eyes, was a very deliberate fake handoff. And then, uh, uh, who was it, Lambeau, uh, the coach of the Packers, who just said, I only have two plays in my playbook, sweep left and sweep right. Right. And that's what we saw was just the quarterback, Lamar Jackson, taking the ball, saying, I'm going to just humor the idea of faking a handoff. I mean, they were good fake handoffs. He was really good at it. I mean, he got it real deep in the running back. You could. There was a couple times where, you know, you definitely could not tell who had the ball. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm not I'm – not sh- no shade uh, toward Lamar Jackson and his fake handoff ability. But from my perspective, <laughs> I mean, how many times are you going to fall for that? All Lamar Jackson had to do was say, look, I can do a really good fake handoff. I'm going to go ahead and do it this time, and then I'm going to do it again. And every time I do it, I'm just going to then sprint to the other side, <laughs> toward the sideline, and just run up the field um, and just do whatever the hell I want. Mike, you do a great job, in my opinion, for our show of following college football outside of the UK U of L rivalry. And there was a lot of action yesterday. What did you see that was significant in the world of college football in the BCS playoff picture yesterday? Uh, well, I mean, obviously, I feel like you probably got your four teams right now. And barring any kind of bizarre um, um, upsets next week, but I don't see Alabama losing to Florida. And I certainly don't see Clemson losing to a terrible North Carolina team. Um, and so you got Clemson, you're going to have Alabama, you're going Oklahoma doesn't play anymore, so they're they're in. And then you're going to have the winner of the Michigan State Iowa game. And uh, so it's pretty much uh, what we were hoping for to be a very. I think most people were hoping for it to be an absolute just disaster of a mess where there was all these other teams that said that they deserved to be in and trying to push it, eventually push it out to eight, eight teams, you're going to get where it's, you know, everything kind of took care of itself. And 
you're going to have, by the end of next weekend, you're going to have four teams that are going to look pretty obvious that they should be there. Now, you know, I, if Clemson loses, I think they're still in. Uh, it'd be hard for me to say that they would, be, they would drop out of the top four. The interesting thing that would, be, thing that would happen is if Alabama would somehow lose to Florida. Because now you've got a two-loss Alabama team. So who's Clemson playing again next week? North, North Carolina in the ACC championship game. Yeah. Huge game. So I would say if Clemson lost, they would fall out because I think that people have been looking for a reason to pull them out anyway. Oh, yeah. So I, would, I would bet that if Clemson lost, that would be the um, enough consideration for them to put Ohio State back in the mix. And then, so would you have two, you think there's going to be two big team teams if that happened, I would guess. There would be two teams from the Big Ten. Yeah. I could see that, I think, more so if Alabama lost. Um, Guys, we, we got to move along real quick here. We oh, gotta, I have co- one question before we move on to the okay, callers. Then. This is to Mike. So I tweeted this, I'm sure, and you didn't respond, of course. But no, <laughs> he, he has the blues this morning, actually. He has the blues. I'm sorry. But do you still stand by your statement that you made earlier in the football season that Patrick Tolles is the best quarterback in the state of Kentucky? I think Patrick Tolles is better than Drew Barker. Um, I think Lamar Jackson's got the most potential out of any of those guys. Um, but I don't think they're – I definitely don't think it's cut and dry. I think definitely between Patrick and Lamar, that would be the two. I mean, what we saw – yesterday from Kentucky side before I compared them to Lamar Jackson is that Patrick Tolles and Drew Barker, the the issues they had were the same. Now Patrick Tolles looked a whole lot, looks a whole lot more comfortable in the pocket, um, probably throws a better deep ball than Drew Barker right now and um, doesn't, just doesn't seem to Absolutely flip out. I mean, Drew Barker had happy feet the entire the entire time. Just never really looked set in that pocket. But when you don't have a line who can really protect you, when you don't have receivers who can catch the ball, and when you, um, again, lose someone like Boone Williams, who is that threat out of the backfield, it doesn't matter who you put back there. They could have had Joe Montana back there, and it wouldn't have mattered. Oxmoor Chrysler, Dodge Jeep, and Ram buzz line is 502-384-1450. We're going to head to the buzz line now. We have our man Brian the Insider is on the line with us. How are you doing this morning, Brian? Good morning, Kelly and Ashley and Mike. How are you guys doing this morning? Good morning, Sunshine. Good morning. Well, Mike, I tell you, I was going to... I was going to give you kind of a free pass on the game a little bit since Louisville, I thought, played so poorly in the first half. But, boy, the, the towels comments, I mean, I just almost almost, almost burst out of him. I mean, he, he proved in the one drive he had that it ended up in an interception. I don't think the line was the problem. I mean, and even with Barker, uh, he had enough time to throw the ball. They're just not quick enough. And, and I think that's the problem why Gardner's not playing. You, today's college football – with these linemen and, and these blitz schemes, you've got to move the ball fast. And that's why Lamar and Bonifant, uh, you know, had played so well, is because they make quick decisions. And, and Kentucky, neither one of those quarterbacks, if, 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 if either one of those quarterbacks are on the depth chart next year, Kentucky's going to have another very poor year. I mean, to put cows in the same breath, uh, as as Lamar Jackson is a complete joke. I mean, there is no. I mean, you th- I honestly think Bobby Petrino would ever let Towels play any other position than maybe tight end or defensive line. Defen- I just, defensive I defensive line. 
until Lamar shows yeah, he can something else. He's a, he's a big guy. Guy, he's got good size, but he's certainly not a uh, college quarterback. I mean, he he came in through what he go now nine TDs and fourteen interceptions. But uh, anyhow, disappointing game for the Cardinals. I, I thought the first half. I just uh, you know it's a it's a very bad Kentucky team, and uh, I was very disappointed with the first half of the Cards. It was a great second half. Thank goodness Lamar. Uh, has got so much incredible skill. Uh, and actually, you were right. I probably should have stayed with him all year. Uh, but, boy, he's exciting, and he was the difference in the game. And, uh, hey, but I wanted to throw a few things in. I, I, I agree with Ashley also on Clemson. I definitely think if they lose, especially after beating a bad South Carolina team without a coach, barely beating them yesterday, uh, they'll definitely be kicked out. Um you know, sorry, Mike, about Notre Dame. Uh, I did think their schedule would have allowed them in. That was a tough loss last night. Uh, I did think Notre Dame was, was going to get in. If you watched that game, it was an incredible football game. Um, just it was unfo- a great ending. Yeah. So, not great for Notre Dame, but I mean, it was it was Notre Dame did play a good schedule. Um, so I, I do think you know, obviously Alabama, and I, I agree that. Uh, that was a very impressive Ohio State win at a very good Michigan team and, and thoroughly beat them. I got a hard time thinking Oklahoma would beat Ohio State on a neutral field. I'm still not sold on Oklahoma. Um, I don't know how the Buckeyes get in, but I still think, uh, with the exception of Alabama, they'd be favored against any other team in the country if they played on a neutral field. Uh, so I do think it's unfortunate that uh, the Buckeyes are on the outside looking in. They did lose. Michigan State did look good in their very, uh, very impressive win at Penn State. But as I said before, I'm not a Big 12 believer. And they, although it was a good Oklahoma win, uh, still can't get past that loss to Texas, who lost again, by the way. What do you guys think is going to happen with Charlie? Any any truth to the rumors he may move on? Well, I, I think, think he has to. I think he's go to Miami. I mean, I think there's definitely a lot of truth that he could be the next coach in Miami. What do you think, Ashley? I mean, I think I think they want him out of there, honestly. And um, I think that, like, I think he was kind of going in against all odds, if that makes sense, because there were a lot of folks, particularly the boosters, that came out um, very verbal against him being there and not thinking he was ready for the job. So I think um, his inability to have any, like, consistent winning seasons and the team really not like responding to him I think he has to go um Miami if would they give him a chance I don't know I mean they probably would and I think that may be better suited for the type of person like human being um person that Charlie Strong is and you know I think he doesn't really have the um the makeup in terms of personality type to be at a big time college um, that would envir- inc- require him to interact with the media on a regular basis. I, don't, I just don't think he's that guy. Um, so I think a school like a Miami where it's probably going to be a little more low-key in terms of letting him just coach the team, um, do a press conference here and there, and go about his business, I think that, that he is probably better off in that kind of a situation. Mike, what do you think about – I mean, it's going to be hard to get rid of the interim tag from the Miami coach. Very impressive win against – Pittsburgh at Heinz Field, where Louisville got thumped the week before. Uh, they go now. I'll bet that win against Duke was highway robbery. They did end up four and one when they fired Al Golden. And uh, man, Miami's a Miami's a hot team. And uh, they may just take the interim tag off that guy and give him the job. 
they could. I mean, I don't think there's any doubt about it. But when you look at the recruiting ties that Charlie has right around Miami and the the talent that he could probably bring in to the to Miami, um, you know, I, they had they got crushed. They got crushed by North Carolina, and I am not. North Carolina lost to South Carolina. I am not sold on North Carolina at all being a decent a decent team. Georgia Tech was an extremely big disappointment. And I don't think Pitt's very good. I think they're average at best. Um, I mean, Notre Dame pretty much dismantled them. Uh, and then they got a little bit closer at the end. Um, but it was one of the no easier Notre Dame wins was against Pitt. And then at, and that was at Pitt. I, I don't know. I mean, they did get a good win against Duke. Um, and then, you know. And they stole that win, though. I mean, that was a bad steal job. It was. It was. I mean, it definitely. I mean, the ACC refs got reprimanded um, on that too. But um, you know, three of those games have been on the road. Um, two of those wins have been on the road, which is is, is impressive. I, I think overall, uh, though, if you got a chance to bring in Charlie Strong, that could really change the recruiting in that area for Miami when you when you were going to routinely lose guys to Florida and Florida State. I mean, it wasn't that long ago that Miami was losing guys to Louisville, and uh, that, that for, in their eyes, probably should never happen. So do you think, even after yeah. his subpar performance in Texas the last couple of years, that the kids there will still have enough faith in him to go to the college that he's coaching at? I do. Because, I, I mean, I would definitely hesitate. Like, I, I mean, I can't say that, oh, yeah, Charlie Strong's a man now. And be like, he went to a big-time – Situation number he, one revenue producing school possibly in the country. Am I wrong? He pooped the bed, and now he's yeah. come down. So I mean, as a recruit yeah. and as a recruit's parents, I'm gonna give him the side eye. Like he's really he would really have to sell me in my living room to get my son to come play for him. All he has to do is go talk about all the local kids from the from the Miami area that he put in the NFL. Recently, so, though, I mean, because I mean that sounds recently. good. That sounds good. I mean, yeah. but you're saying the last two years, what have you done? I don't think – honestly, I, that's what I feel like he could do because those kids want to go to the NFL. And if he can sit there and say, hey, you know this kid that played at this high school and this kid that played at this high school, you know, we were able to get him to the NFL, and that's that's what they're going to want to care about. And that, I think he could easily get that swagger back um, and get that going. And I don't think anyone also doesn't think that Texas wasn't a train wreck when he got there. And um, there, there's a lot of – Internal battles at Texas in the athletic department that are showing up on their sports teams, not just in the football program. You know, their basketball program went way downhill. Now they got Shaka Smart, and they're going to have to see what happens there. But they're, they're across the board because of the what they've had three athletic directors in the last four years. The instability that's going on in their athletic department. And all that's all that is is what's kind of reigning in. I don't think um, overall people are going to look at that, and they're just going to look at it like you said, it was a bad fit. And now he goes to Miami, which could be a great fit for him. And uh, hey, Mike, real quick, let me ask you, uh, and this will be my last dig on the Kentucky Louisville game, but I, I really am curious because what, what's your take on how long Stoops gets to go at Kentucky? Well, I think because any play. other program, he would be on the way out. I I don't know about that, but I I think I think you would have the year this year that they're going to have where they're going to have a lot of shakeup on the staff, and then that usually precedence, you know, that you got the one more year to kind of 
to kind of show some true uh, progression. And I think, you know, last year, if their schedule dictated that they started out so well and then they had the tough end of back in the schedule and they dropped some, but they still competed in a lot of those games. Not every game. I mean, they got blown out by Georgia last year and um, some other ones, but they competed against a pretty good Mississippi State last year and they they showed some fight. What's discerning this year is that what's is that they they don't have that fight. You know, well, that's the, no, they don't. They didn't have that in the second half. They haven't had it. Tennessee game was very bad effort. The second half of about the last five or six games has clearly been a team that has quit on their coach. And I, it just amazes me that Kentucky doesn't, you know, expect a higher standard. I mean, I know at Louisville. I mean, we we call that crack door. Yeah. I mean that. I mean, yeah. when they don't play, then you got to go, and and they do not play for suits. And I let me ask you this: going to have that how, is you have a situation where you can't have back-to-back three-year coaches, and at that point, and you're trying to get a coach that comes in there, and and you see back-to-back three-year coaches, and when you're trying to attract that next person, and you're not showing them to give them a, a real shot. What I will tell you is, Barnhart. Everyone was was uh, was all about firing um, uh, the old guy, Rich now. Brooks. Rich Brooks, and and Barnhart stuck by because he had his thing, and, and it originally I wasn't. turned around. He made quick decisions on Joker, and he made quick decisions on Billy Gillespie. I'm going to trust Barnhart to do what's right. So, so, Mike, how? So you said that you feel like there's going to be some shakeups, but Stoops is safe. How is that? Like, I feel like if that's the team- pretty common. That doesn't make sense, though. Like, because if you you want to say that the head coach is the person that is ultimately responsible and ultimately liable for what's going on with the team, if the other folks underneath got to go, he has to too. Well, I think it's pretty common to see that in when when things are not going the way that you want them to go, is that you start moving some, you know, getting new coordinators or you do whatever you got to do to. I don't know, and I, and I think most Kentucky fans are going to want to see a new offensive coordinator. And I don't know if that's necessarily going to be the case because that would be three coordinators in three years. And I don't, so I don't know if that's going to happen or not. But you'll see a shakeup on the staff purely to see if he can kind of pull himself out of it. And, um, I, you know, he's going to get another year. I don't even think there's any discussion. How about, about a dual, que- dual threat quarterback, Mike, just Kentucky? They need, to, they need a dual threat fast. I mean, they would be so much more competitive. Is there? Does Kentucky have any quarterback? I know everybody gets on Petrino for stockpiling quarterbacks, but uh, does Kentucky have any different options coming back next year at quarterback? Um, I do believe they got a. I think he's another pocket passer. I'm trying to remember what the kid's name is that they they that they signed. He's definitely. I don't think he's the um, dual threat athlete like a Lamar Jackson. Um, they do have another right now committed recruiting class, and they've got six of those kids coming in in a couple weeks at the end of the semester to be early enrollees. And I think you're gonna um, and there you know some good ones. Now they did have their top running back recruit last night, kind of showed some signs of wavering when his, with his Twitter post saying that he's got to do some serious soul searching. Um, but you know that happens all the time. I mean, Louisville just yeah. lost the top receiver. Um, recruit, same kind of thing, and uh, yep. so if he, I think he's obviously now going to work on trying to keep the core of this recruiting class together, um, and 
see and and then they're gonna they're obviously gonna have to evaluate the staff and then they're gonna make some changes and and move forward and if they don't go to a bowl game next year um six seven wins next year and show some signs of of progressing like again i'm not one that says that wins have to be the sign of progression but there was they don't have to be they got worse this year than they they got worse this year i'm not i don't think last year was as obvious that they got worse i think their schedule got harder but this year was obvious that they got worse yeah and their schedule was down i looked at yesterday Kentucky schedule schedule 65th going in louisville was 35th going into yesterday's game louisville had a 35 uh rank of strength of schedule and Kentucky had a 65th. So this was a year Kentucky had a very doable schedule. Absolutely. Um, hey, real quick, a couple other things. Mike, did you catch any of the uh, great horse racing out of Churchill Downs? Uh, we got a uh, some real nice Air Force won the uh, the jockey club. Very good day. And then the other thing I'll leave you guys Evidence. with, it, what about Patino's comments uh, last night after the game? First time he's talked about the scandal in a while. Two things saying that the scandal is the reason they're not ranked, and then really chastising the media about buying into all this Katina stuff. Now with eleven people coming against it, Anybody, you guys see those comments from Rick last night after the game? Oh, I didn't. I didn't. Can you tell us? Yeah, yeah. Well, he he really jumped the media and he said, "Look, guys, you know, I, I'm I've been very media friendly all, all my whole career. I like the media. I've just been shocked at how." The media just has assumed that everything this woman has said, he said now there's 11 women that have come out and signed affidavits that what was written in the book is not true. He said, is there stuff that, that she said true? Probably so. But the fact that you guys said this to, at his press conference, that you guys have just believed everything she said and put us, you know, immediately, we're, you know, everything was 100% true, is just shocking to me. Uh, and really disappointing. So I, I thought that was a little insightful that Rick, uh, uh, for the first time, kind of jumped the media a little bit. And I don't know if you guys noticed it, but Willard's been doing the press conferences. He did do the press conference, but Rick has uh, done, done only about half the press conferences after the game, and he chooses to get the most of his information out on his team through his own blog. He's not showing up for the media. I think he's a little, uh, little PO'd about... Uh, what he thinks has been the uh, lack of uh, honest journalism in this scandal. But he also said he thought that they would clearly be ranked if it weren't for the scandal. And I just thought that was interesting. But uh, um, Dang Adele, the other announcement he had yesterday was that he is not going to come back for Michigan State, and uh, they want him back full strength for the Kentucky game. But he's still going to be on the shelf through the month of December, and they hope to get him back for Kentucky. I saw Dang actually uh, Wednesday night. Um... He was breathing fine, all that kind of stuff. I'm sure he's a little banged up. I got to talk to him just real briefly. Actually, Rick had all those kids out at Creed, and uh, they were walking out of the movie when we were walking into the movie, and so I got to see a lot of those guys and, um, and talk to Dang a little bit. And um, you know, I, I don't think it's anything too serious, but they're just being extraly cautious and getting them back. Yeah, it is a it is a blow to uh, fortunately they're deep. Uh, this is the deepest Louisville team. I, I don't know if the top-level talent is where it needs to be, but I can't remember a Louisville team that could lose their strongest, best freshman probably in Dengadale and, and really haven't missed it yet. So, uh, But it's going to hurt. I mean, he's clear, he was a starter, and that is a, that's an injury that you know could end up being uh, costly. But once again, great product Churchill Downs throughout the last few days. I was fortunate enough to get out there and 
Uh, they've already got points going for Derby and Oaks last year, but the track closes today. Uh, but, but big purses, very successful fall meet out of Churchill Downs. F and X went in a very competitive Clark handicap. So, um, you oh, know, yeah. Great Clark F and X. F and X. That greatest F&X. name in horse racing. <laughs> Guy named it for his ex-wife, F and X. Then a second to Pharaoh. And then a uh, very impressive win at the Clark. Uh, you're right, Mike. Great, great four or five days of racing this week at Churchill Downs. We had Thanksgiving out there for my family's 51st year having Thanksgiving at the track. And, uh, wow. It was, wow. Uh, it was a great day on that um, on Thursday as well. So. Well, hey, I'll let uh, you guys go. Thanks for having me on. I'll listen to the show. Thank you very much, Brian. Have a great rest of your weekend. We look forward to hearing from you next Sunday. Uh, interesting stuff there. I like pissed off Rick Patino. I know that. I, do too. I like Rick Patino pissed off. Mike, what, I, I what like do you Rick make of Patino? Period. I mean, he's, I, just, he's humorous, and I, particularly sitting on the sidelines um, when I was working social media, getting to hear up close and personal the type of stuff that he says on the sideline. I, I, I became to love him a little bit more. I'm right so. there with you. I'm a huge Rick Patino fan, and I always have been, to be honest. Mike, how does that whole what we just said? Rick Pitino's um, attitude toward the media, how does that make you feel? I, I like the fact that he's being so resolute. I mean, I think you have to love how he's standing up and he's, and he, and I think, you know, he is talking what he believes and what they've, what they've found so far. And, um, you know, and, and I don't think he's necessarily wrong in what he's saying. Um, this label team should be ranked right now. I don't think there's any question. With all the upsets we've had so far in college basketball, and for them to still be undefeated, they are a top 25 team. Uh, and I don't see who can argue that. No, I, I agree. I think, and I said this um, from the beginning, um, I feel like we're being punished. But I also um, wrote in my, um, my roundup on Friday that um, it's okay because the last time, I'm, I'm totally fine with it, the last time that Louisville was not ranked in the top 25 was in 2012. And we had a Final Four appearance that year, so I'm. It was March of 2012. I am perfectly okay with it, um, and I honestly think that they play harder. But um, I also would like to point out right now that I also called on Friday a 20 point victory against St. Louis, and we won exactly by 20. So wow. that made me feel good about myself. <laughs> so what are you calling for Michigan State? Um, actually, so Michigan, the Michigan State game falls on my birthday, my 32nd birthday. Happy birthday to me. So I um, I actually didn't predict an actual score, but I made a request. <laughs> <laughs> I, I made a petition to the gods of, of a five-point victory for my birthday. So I will perfect. I would be very happy. I would be happy with a half of a point victory. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I think it's going to be a good game, and I'm really interested to see the matchup between um, Valentine Yep. And um, Damian Lee, like that's what I'm really looking forward to because I think you know we all know that Damian Lee is really good, but we don't really know how good he is um, because we haven't seen him play against a guard that's close to his height and his talent level. So I'm really excited to see that. I'm right there with I'm, you. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm excited about that matchup too. I mean, I, I think Michigan State's are. I think Kansas is a little bit overrated, but Michigan State still got that pretty big win, and I think Michigan State's. Um, you know, easily a top ten team. And yeah, yeah. It's it's one of those things too. Like what I was saying, it's really hard to tell 
who falls where in terms of the right. numbers and the rankings right now because no, everybody's playing nobody for the most part. You know, like you might have a, a, a strong game like a Kentucky Duke here and there, but for the most part, everybody's playing like St. Mary of the Woods. So um, <laughs> I think it's kind of hard to tell, but I, I, I do think Michigan is a very, very good team, and I think that's probably going to be our most legitimate test um, until we play Kentucky for sure. Well, and that's got, yeah, it definitely is going to be. And Michigan State overall is just when you get to go play a true road game like that, I think that's the thing that I'm, you know, how they handle that environment uh, and, and being on, in that scene. Uh, and interestingly enough, Rick has never played at Michigan State. So it's, it's a brand new experience for, for everyone. Um, so it should be a really kind of just neat experience and, and great test to see where Louisville is right now and the kind of things you need to have, I mean, I, uh, to kind of just evaluate where your team is. You know, I think the Michigan State-Louisville, uh, I'll almost call it somewhat of a rivalry, um, is very interesting as of late. You know, Draymond Green as a freshman, um, First off, Draymond Green, someone who's just really intrigued me lately, obviously, for obvious reasons. I mean, he's uh, very valuable in the NBA. He can guard centers. He can guard guards. But he played four years at Michigan State. His his freshman year at Michigan State, what was it that he did? Let's see. Uh, he, he – all right. He, they knocked Louisville out, okay, of the tournament. Uh, very disappointed. Was that the year Louisville was the number one overall seed? I believe – yes, that's what it was, yep. Okay. Now, then his senior year, Louisville knocked Michigan State out and went on to win the championship. So they bookend Draymond Greer's, uh, Draymond Green's um, very successful, accomplished collegiate career with Louisville, uh, a defeat at the beginning and a loss at the end. So I'll always remember that about Draymond Green's four years at Michigan State. Uh, Tom Izzo is one of those guys you never hear a coach out there uh, talk negatively about. I mean, there's right. if if there's somebody at the very top. I mean, Mike, you have a relationships with many of these coaches. Uh, obviously, way beyond what I I don't have any relationship with any of these coaches. You do. Um, I, am I accurate in saying nobody ever has a negative word to say about Izzo? I've never heard anyone say anything negative about Tom Izzo. I mean, it's just uh, he's one of the good guys. I, my my interactions with him have been a little bit limited. Um, but I mean, we have had a little bit of interaction. He actually. Um, when the um, Sonny Vaccaro 30 for 30 came out, that that was not the 30 for 30 they were supposed to do, and they were doing one that was a little bit more insightful to the shoe company's involvement, I guess. And uh, I got interviewed, and I got interviewed right after Tom Izzo, so that was the, the one time that we got to talk the longest. But uh, he is... He is really one of the, just one of the class acts in, in college basketball. I mean... Um, you know, I I think, and he's one of the elite coaches in college basketball. They're always good, right? No matter what his roster is, it seems like they're always consistently good. And we we have had Heidi call in with a Louisville women's basketball update as of late. I don't know if we'll hear from her today, but Louisville plays Michigan State on Tuesday, right? Yeah, or yes. no, Wednesday. Wednesday. Yeah. Wednesday. Wednesday, December 2nd, and don't you forget it. Um, okay, because that, that's your birthday, Ashley. Yes. The lovely Ashley Miller's birthday turning 32 years young, we'll say. That's fine. Okay, uh, on Wednesday, but but the the women. Oh, wait, hold on one minute. Just bef- before we move on, at what point can we no longer use PYT for me? <laughs> no, that'll. You're, not young. You're still young. Okay, thank you. Yeah, you'll always have that song, as far as I'm concerned. Twenty years from now, when we're still on the airwaves, 
here on 1450 WXVW on Sunday mornings. I mean, this morning we have the blues music. I don't know if our listeners have listened to the whole show, but we have bl- uh, a blues theme. I happen to be a big fan of the blues, and in just out of just respect um, for Kentucky fans, I'm playing a blues-themed uh, musical selection this morning. I mean, I, I, I just want to be polite to the Kentucky fans, but we'll get back to the PYT song uh, for you soon, Ashley. I can't guarantee exactly when that will be. Okay. So, nonetheless, as long what, as we're good for the next twelve, I'm good. Okay. What, what is Kentucky basketball? I mean, if you, if we're talking to our station owner Dugan Ryan about playing the hits, what's on the horizon for Kentucky basketball right now, Mike? Um, well, they just got they they played South Florida um, in in Miami, and I believe so. Now they start some neutral site games. Let me pull up. They play. I know they got UCLA coming up really soon. Um, a lot of the. A lot of the non-conference games that they filled in, you know, that are traditionally really good powers are teams that are having, I guess, da- uncharacteristic down years. You know, not that UCLA couldn't be good. I mean, they have, I think, three McDonald's All-Americans on their team. But I know they got UCLA coming up. They've got um, – let's pull up their schedule now. Uh, their next game is against Illinois State, nothing big. And then they have UCLA. Uh, then Eastern Kentucky, and then Arizona State, and then Ohio State before they play Louisville. So really, they only got two more games against non-BCS or Power 5 conference teams. Uh, when you look at the fact that they got a, a game against UCLA, um, they got a, uh, which is on the road, going to Poly Pavilion. They play Arizona State in Rupp. They play Ohio State in Brooklyn. And then they've got that game against Louisville. So only in so only one of those uh, four or two I'm sorry two of those four are, are in Rupp Arena, which is uh, so it's going to be exciting. Uh, I think overall they got a, a lot of really good quality games coming up. And again, same thing. I, I if what I've been saying. I, I still feel like they need to have more um, tenacity, more presence on the from their their inside guys. Just I think they're going to really struggle. I think Nanu is is going to be a, a nightmare of a matchup. For um, for Scal, just from the strength standpoint, and we're going to see that a little bit with UCLA because they got some good big guys. Uh, Tony Parker, who's a junior, who's a very much of a wide body, uh, was a McDonald's All American. Thomas Welsh, who's a sophomore, uh, McDonald's All American, who's taller and a little bit thinner, but he's is a physical player as well. So um, the UCLA game will be a good barometer just to see how how their big guys are handling more, uh, teams with size. We're talking college basketball this morning here on 1450 WXVW, the weekend sports buzz. Please give us a call on the Oxmoor Chrysler Dodge Jeep and Ram buzz line, 502-384-1450. We're going to head to the buzz line now where we have our man, The Truth, is on the line with us. How are you doing this morning, Truth? Oh, I'm not happy about the way my hoes should play. i got a question to ask you. How can I fix this problem? Okay. I was looking at the, I was looking at this thing poll last week uh, when Indiana plays like crap. Do you know they ranked number three hundred forty-five by turning the ball over? That's surprising too, with the amount of uh, you know experienced guards they have on the team. That that should not that should not be the case. It's, that should not happen. I, I mean, you you and your uh, you got two guards. You got two McDonald's All American. Troy Williams, he's he's not played worth crap this year, and 
And I think we had an injury, lost another inside guy, and that's not good. So uh, what can you give me to pep me up? <laughs> well, I mean, you're going to have, obviously, a, a game against Duke on the horizon. But beyond that game against Duke, you got you got some games before you play Notre Dame, you know, Alcorn State, Moorhead, IPFW, McNeese State, that you can kind of hopefully start to figure some things out. Because IU's really talented. So they've got a really good offense. They just kind of, they'll mesh, they'll click, and I'm sure that they'll get it on the road. Because you, I mean, even beyond that, you've got guys like Robert Johnson coming off the bench that should be able to, to handle the, you know, guys who are used to having the ball in their hands that should be able to, to, to well, do this. I got a question to ask you. You know, you like basketball. Like, I do. do you think there's come to a point that Tom Cruise, there, there's the time to run, there's the time not to run? That's what he needs to step in and say, well, this person don't need to be handling the ball because he tur- turned the ball over a lot like Troy Will bringing the ball up, turning the ball over. Then James Blackman get up in the air and then they look in the pass the ball. I think this, I think James Blackman, what's called, needs to be benched to send them a message. Uh, well, I'd be interested in what Ashley has to say here because my take on this is that you always want to try to force – if you can force the other team to play your pace, then you've got a huge leg up in, play, in, in winning that ball game. So it's like it, – to me, a lot of what happens in basketball is who can, who can dictate the pace more. What do you think, Ashley? Yeah, I agree with that 100%. I think – I mean, there are certain things that you're always going to prepare for when you know, like, certain tendencies about another team or their, um, their talent and their, their players that are consistently strong. Um, but I think for the most part, you want to execute your game plan to the best extent possible. And I think the teams that, like you said, Mike, that are able to do that most consistently win most. I got a question for you. What happened to your Wildcats yesterday up 21 to nothing, blow the lead? I know, man. It was, it was heartbreaking. It was tough. And, and by the way, uh, congratulations to Indiana for being bowl eligible. We haven't said that yet, and we probably – should have said that already, but uh, Indiana gets to go bowling, and that's that's fantastic. So, listen, that don't impress me. We should we should be eight and nine this year. So you know, we we posted with a bowl game the schedule we got. You know that we know what we was coming in this year. We should have more wins. Winning six games that don't impress the truth. What impressed the truth is be, should have beat Ohio State. Should have beat Michigan State. Beat Rutgers. You know, they were right there. They definitely had chances. And, uh, you know, I'm sorry the Maui, you know, didn't turn out the way that I think Indiana wanted to do. But, um, you know, hopefully they'll figure it out. And hopefully that Maui trip still ended up being a, a positive experience for them that they can I'm take a, away something. I'm going to leave you with this. You know, the last time Indiana lost uh, two games over in Maui, they won the national championship in 87 and 81. Oh, really? Both years they did that? Yes. Wow. Inter- very yeah. interesting. Yes. So that means we're going to win the national championship, so I'm not worried about nothing. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Thank you very much for the call, Truth. We appreciate Ashes. it. Some more impl- we're going to Final Four, and the Truth's got uh, Indiana winning it, winning it all. So. Another interesting stat or interesting tidbit is that the two most recent Indiana, Indiana championships were in 81 and 87. What right. happened the year before both of those? In Louisville. 1980 yeah. and 1986, Louisville won it. So yeah. Louisville's got to win it first. Boom, <laughs> I like that. Oh, speaking of uh, Louisville and Kentucky, um, I want to go ahead and put this out here now. Uh, Derek and I are going to the game together. 
<laughs> you can do a basketball game? Yes. You got to go blue then, right? Uh, no. So, so, so we're going to the game. Obviously, the Kentucky folks are getting us tickets, right? Um, so we had this, like, significant conversation about what I can and cannot wear um, to the game because he's like, you know that I normally sit behind the bench and close to the players. And I was like, well, I'm not wearing blue, so that's out of the question. So um, black though, right? currently the currently the compromise is black. Um, I did go ahead and put it out there that I will have something Louisville um, subtly, but maybe not so subtly on my person. Like a face tattoo? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> maybe like a uh, bow in my hair or a pin or Thanks. something. Yeah. I, you know, Derek doesn't seem to mind being that guy who, who says what's on his mind or, or speaks something even if it's controversial at times. I think, Derek, and we should, we've got time between the now and the game. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you should keep working on him and you should go in all red. I would love to. With red, red face paint, and you should sit right behind the Kentucky bench. And even more so, to burn him up, I'll wear my red cowboy boots. Um, that would that would kill him. <laughs> that would probably kill him. Me wearing the red cowboy boots would kill him more than having anything Louisville. I'd be oh. less concerned about what you wear than be how you behave. Um, yeah, well, that's the other thing. <laughs> <laughs> because... I may or may not be a vocal fan. Um, Ken- and Kentucky's got a couple backcourt players who are, let's call it what it is, Mike, Briscoe and Murray are known for talking trash, right? Especially Briscoe. Both of them, though. Murray has multiple technicals, right? I, I believe he does, yeah. I, I don't see that of him being, I, you know, as much as, like, where Briscoe's, like, straight-up New Jersey, street ball kind of thing, but um... – you know, I think Briscoe's probably more of the culprit there. So, Ashley, the question is, are you going to let's, – let's paint a picture for you, Okay, all right? let's do it. You're sitting right behind the Kentucky bench? Yeah. Well, and, I don't know we are, but I sure we'll be very close. You guys will have good seats. Yeah. Okay. And – all right. The picture. Let's see. We're sitting behind the bench. Trey Lewis mm-hmm. and Quentin Snyder are mm-hmm. on the court. Mm-hmm. And Murray or Briscoe maybe does a DeMarcus Cousins elbow to mm-hmm. one of their heads. Mm-hmm. There's a difference between throwing elbows and talking trash. Okay. Well, okay. <laughs> okay. So, Am so, I making so, a leap here, Mike? I think he's. Well, he, he's trying to paint a picture. I'm painting a he's picture. He's trying to give us a vivid image of what's happening so that we can properly assess my reaction. Do you yell anything? Yes. Okay. And it may or may not include obscenities. Okay. <laughs> or, or I know you like my mood. I love my mood. Um, what if one of those guys, I mean, he's a target. He's a big, soft-looking guy. Yeah. <laughs> right? It's not very... Well, I mean, technically, he's not soft-looking if you want to follow the comparison that he looks like the Karate Kid. So, um, <laughs> okay. in that sense, he's actually quite pretty intimidating. Tough, pretty tough-looking. Yes. Mm-hmm. From the um, martial arts perspective, possibly. The 7 Karate Kid. Yeah, we don't, we don't know if he actually has any martial arts experience whatsoever. He very well may not. But if he does, he's very scary. Outside of that, he has no intimidation factor whatsoever other than the fact that he's 7'2 or something. But if one of them – what if somebody takes a shot at him? I'm going to have to go down and whisper something. 
Okay. I don't see, I don't see Anas having a big role in the UK U of L game this you year. You never know who's going to play, though, but yeah. you're right. Mango yeah. and, and Shinanu, who, who will be the third center? Well, um, uh, Mango and Shinanu will probably get the bulk of the minutes, but, you know, you're going to have to go people. They're going to go some guys with girth. So, to me, it's going to be, you know, you see a lot of Jalen Johnson out there and, and um, hopefully Dang's back by then, even though Dang's not a power forward, he's a small forward. But they'll have guys out there who can who can – win the physicality battle with Kentucky's big men because they're so soft. So We've got a full slate of NFL games today. It's Sunday. It's right in the heart of Ooh, Well, before we move season. on real quick, sure. um, Mike, what would be your prediction as of today? Like, as of today with wow. what you've seen out of both teams, what would, what would be your prediction for December 26th? Great question. Games and rep. Uh, I, I mean, I think still Kentucky's better just because their guard plays so much better. Um. And I think Scal and those guys are talented, and they're going to get points. I just, I think overall the physicality of down low could really keep it close. And I, I see it being probably about a six-point game. Yeah, I was thinking, I was going to say five or six points. So we're in the same boat for Kentucky. Ashley, you think right. Kentucky's going to win? Um, of course, I'm not going to say that. <laughs> so you think Louisville's going to win? By um, five or six? I think I honestly, and I said this um, after I think at the beginning of the season a few weeks ago, that this team would really surprise some folks. Um, I am impressed with Kentucky from what I've seen so far. Um, I plan to watch them a little bit more closely in the next week or so. Um, but I do think uh, it'll be a good matchup. I think it'll definitely be – it'll come down to the last 10 minutes of the game, what I think. And it usually does. And I think that this will be no uh, no difference at, um, from that standpoint either. And um, But, you know – I don't. I just feel like there's there's still. I feel like Louisville was a bad matchup for Kentucky. Um, from that, like I said, because they have those physical presences, the presence down low. Um, but I see it. I still feel like Kentucky's got a, a little bit of, a, of an edge, especially with the game being at home. So. Um. Anyway. Okay. Well, we're coming. That's the quickest first hour ever, by the way. That really was. I would. I would also like um, to challenge our listeners. If anybody can call in and explain to me um, the origin of the dapping thing. Yeah. Um. Because apparently, obviously, sneezing. It's, it's a really big thing. Um. I'm hearing what I. What I've seen so far is that Cam Newton is the person who kind of put it on the map. Like, Jeremy Hill was actually the first guy to do it in the NFL. The Bengals running back, Jeremy Hill. Okay, the so where back. did that come from? I don't know where wonder, it originated. Is it a song? Is it a dance? Like, why is this such a big deal? All now? I know because... is I saw Bobby Petrino, Les Miles, and get this, Frank Beamer on his yeah. last day. <laughs> they were all dabbing yesterday. <laughs> and that's Frank Beamer's last day ever as the head coach of Virginia Tech. I want somebody to call and tell me about it. Mike, earlier you mentioned that there's someone named Robert Johnson who's off the bench of the, the Indiana Hoosiers. That's why I'm playing this song. We appreciate everybody tuning in. Be sure to stay tuned. We'll be back with more from the Weekend Sports Buzz.
Cinco, otherwise known as Ashley's Crazy. So with no further ado, ladies and gentlemen of our 1450 WXVW listenership, Ashley's Crazy. Sorry, Ashley Ashley was not only crazy, but was muted there for a moment. Nice. Hey, by the way, Under Armour has made Cam Newton um, dab, uh, dabbing cleats. So his cleats have him dabbing on there, I don't, you know, whatever that is. I love that. I love it. I don't have a problem with that at all. Anyone who's offended by Cam Newton dabbing has issues. Avery Williamson is one of them. Who? Avery Williamson, the former Kentucky linebacker who plays the Tennessee Titans because he got into uh, Cam Newton after. Cam oh, he's the one who stirred it up originally. He's right. the one who made it into a big deal. Right. People are acting like Cam Newton is slapping their mother when he does that. <laughs> right? I mean, what is up with that? What the Cam hell? Cam Newton has never slapped my mother. He he's pretending to sneeze. Sorry. No further ado. <laughs> Mike, can you do your I, I I'll be honest, I kinda cut you off during your introduction. You want to do so, it again? Do I need to Ashley? I, it's up to Ashley. If she needs it again, we'll do it again. I think I, I, I need it again. I personally It makes me feel really good. Individually, okay. I could use it again. With little music, or are we just gonna go? Yeah, f- yeah. Still- pull, pull the music. We in. got the music. It's still going. It's right here. Yeah, turn it on. Let's that. go. Let's let's keep it rolling. It's time for the most electrifying segment in all of sports radio. Ashley's local cinco. Otherwise known as Ashley's crazy. Yeah. No. Right. Now that's now that's how you start the segment. All right, there we go. We're all set now. We're all set. The world is right. The world is properly aligned, and all things are beautiful. So, I'm going to start this um, segment off with something very feel goody. Feel goody. I made that word up. Um, so, uh, NFL lineman Wallace Gilberry, does anyone know who he is? He's plays for the Bengals. Kelly Patrick, you should know this guy. I do. Um, surprised a family of seven in a Target store, um, by picking up the check for a PS4 and a few other things. And, um, so people were asking why somehow the story, story made national news. Oh, because someone took a picture of him um, approaching the family this past Monday night and offering to buy holiday gifts for the kids. So media has finally asked him about it. And um, in quote, he says, I just went to Target to get some clippers to trim my beard. Uh, pause, because clearly a lot of guys in the NFL don't do that anymore um, in professional sports, period, and college, because I... That irks me. Okay, continue. He said, and I saw a family with a dad, wife, and five or six kids. The kids were looking at the electronics, and I could tell by the mom's face that she was upset about telling the kids that they wouldn't be able to afford what they wanted. So I went up to the family and asked them if they would mind if I bought the kids whatever they wanted. They said that would be so great, and the dad said he was starting a new job and money was tight. So Gilberry bought a PS4 and a bunch of video games, uh, one of the kids was really excited about some game called Minecraft. He said he didn't even know what it was, um, but the kid went crazy. In the end, he spent somewhere close to $800, but said it wasn't about the money. He said, one thing about me is that I grew up with the shirt on my back, and that's it. Money doesn't define me. If I have millions of dollars, I'm going to try to help a million people. So, love it. I that, love that, too. Great story. I love that. That's. I mean, it's going to take 
I mean, it's going to take something really horrendous to get me to vote for that over this Wallace Gilbert story. But all right, moving right along. Story number two. He's a bingo. What? Yeah, because he's a Bengal. I mean, he's feeling good about his Bengals kind of right now. And I don't know. There are two straight well, losses. Well, yeah, I mean, he's – well, you know, maybe we should revisit that. Um, you know, there's one story that I may actually take – that I know of. We'll see. Moving right along. We'll, oh, we'll see okay. what gets my vote. We'll see. All right. Uh, story number two. Um, so, Deion Sanders, I don't know if you all remember, he and his wife Pilar had that – a reality TV show about them. Do you all remember that show? I did not see it. Okay, well. Yeah, it was on, I don't, I don't know what it was, was called. Was it I think called it was Prime called uh, something in Pilar, whatever. Something, I don't know. Anyhow, um, they divorced <laughs> uh, later and something that was a very bad public breakup and um, even cops were involved after a few nasty spats. However, um, Deion Sanders just won more than a million dollars in a defamation case against her. So um, an attorney for Deion Sanders says that the NFL legend feels a great sense of release and vindication uh, in getting a $2.2 million settlement against Pilar after she alleged in interviews and on web posts that she was a a victim of domestic violence from him. Um, So apparently the money that Pilar now owes Deion offsets any money that he would have paid in their divorce settlement. So... Bottom line is he doesn't know anything, uh, but she still owes him seven figures. Um, wow. Although Pilar's attorney saying they are planning to appeal, um, maybe it's time for one of those Deion Sanders dances. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that, I would like that. I and, like- and, you know, I like this story because I'm like, that's what you get. Sure. Because um, these women get on my nerves. Like, how do you just say he beat me up or... Something you're a victim of domestic violence just to ruin his image or try to, um, you know, hurt him as publicly to try to. What is the saying about a woman's scorn? I don't know. Mike? <laughs> um, Hell no, hath I, no fury. Yes, yes. Hell hath no fury as a woman's scorn. That's exactly right. Oh, you're the only one who would know that. <laughs> Why? Because <laughs> I've been divorced? I'm not going to go there, you know. <laughs> but you I did. think you already went. <laughs> you, you went there. That's okay. That's all right. But mm. um, no, I, it's not. It's nothing. <laughs> Moving right along. Story number three. Uh, story number three. Jilla Okafor. Um, remember this guy, number three pick in the 2015 draft. Yep, he punched a guy in the face. Um, outside of a Boston bar this week. Um, so it all happened after Okafor and the 76ers lost to the Boston Celtics. Jalil and some of his friends went out in the town, ended up in an altercation in front of a story of in front of Storyville Boston nightclub. So apparently, um, Okafor was screaming at this man. Um, and that be- there was a scuffle. People tried to hold Okafor back. He escaped, swings wildly at the man, connected, sent him flying to the ground. Um, yeah, so apparently everybody got up, fled. There was no arrest made. The altercation supposedly began because one of the men in the group yelled at Jaleel that the 76ers suck, which... In my opinion, they do. They do. <laughs> um, and not up, for, not up for debate. 
<laughs> yeah, that's definitely not up for what debate. What is their record? How many games uh, have they won? Like one? I think they're, they're, they might still be over. I don't know. But apparently um, a rep for Okafor says that he was being heckled from the moment he left the club and felt threatened because people swarmed him on the street. Um, he said he was with a teammate who he would not name and says someone got physical with the teammate. So Jaleel, he did what he felt he needed to do to protect himself and his friend. They left immediately after the incident. However... The man who got socked in the face <laughs> um, says that Okafor is lying about being heckled and got violent because he was mad that he got rejected by two chicks on the street of Boston. Oh, so, <laughs> oh I didn't um, hear that part. There's a cell phone video of this, by the way. No, yeah, I, there, I've seen the video. I saw the video. An, an awesome video. Um, the Boston Police Department says the victim has filed a police report. He filed it on Friday claiming Okafor hit him uh, so square in the face that he sustained a cut above his eye that required stitches. Um, the victim also says that he was not being swarmed, that those allegations were pure garbage, and um, that truthfully that Okafor approached two girls that were hanging with the victim and tried to get their numbers. The girls weren't interested and shot him down. Um, then the victim says the verbal altercation then started, and that's when Okafor became unhinged, eventually rushing at him and punching him in the face. Um, the Boston Police Department says detectives are actively investigating the incident, but so far no charges have formally been filed. Uh, it yeah. like he was getting swarmed in that video, you know. Yeah, so know. there's that. <laughs> 17. He's not a good-looking dude, is he, Ashley? Uh, I mean, he is absolutely not. No. But... I mean, I like that he has fire. They are 0 and 17. You like that he has fire. I like that he punched somebody. <laughs> <laughs> I do. Someone I yells like at are charitable and they give to poor kids. So this is the story that he needed. I think that's probably the one he was thinking in the back of his head um, that would potentially nudge out the feel good story of the day. There's another one, actually. Out oh, really? There. Although this, don't get me wrong. I'm I all hope about it's on the list. If someone yells at you on the street, if someone yelled at me on the street uh, something about my church team, Sucking, you'd fight him. I, I don't know that. I don't know exactly how it would go down. But if I punched him, I'd be proud of myself. It's actually uh, he's had a bad month though because he also got a ticket this month for uh, 108 miles an hour. Yeah. So he might have to. I wonder how. I wonder how Coach K kind of kept him under wraps. I don't know. Maybe maybe this is just uncharacteristic. I don't know. We'll see. Who knows? Imagine having the the guts to yell something. At, how tall is Jalil Okafor? Oh. At six eleven, yeah, six eleven, and you you yell something at him, and he he comes. I mean, that reminds me of remember when Jermaine O'Neal laid that guy out in the melee in, in Auburn Hills. Uh, yes, that's. Oh, yeah. I I do not ever want to be punched by one of these giants. <laughs> that's one thing I am very confident of. So I don't know. That's why I said I don't know what I'm. You know, if someone yelled at me, your church team sucks. First thing I would do is look at them and see if they look like Jermaine O'Neal or Jalil Okafor or Tyson Fury, who's the new heavyweight champion of the world in boxing. Six foot nine, Tyson Fury. Six foot nine. But this story, in my opinion, deserves a lot of, you know, attention on Ashley's Loco Cinco. That's number three. Moving right along, story number four. Story number four. So, um, kind of a follow up on Lamar Odom. Uh, apparently, he is really in bad shape. Uh, medically, but legally he may catch a break. So uh, the law enforcement law enforcement officers or sources are um, saying 
that the Nye County uh, District Attorney's Office in Nevada is backing off of statements made by the sheriff who said they, there was a strong chance that Lamar would be um, prosecuted for the possession of cocaine. So um, obviously everyone knows at this point that um, when Lamar was found unconscious that he was um, high off cocaine, which definitely was against the rules at the Love Ranch brothel and I'm pretty sure any place in America um, to have <laughs> cocaine on you um so apparently now the da is saying they will consider lamar's medical condition and mental state in deciding whether or not to press charges against him um so as of now um pe- they're still saying that uh, lamar is barely able to speak and cannot currently walk um that his cognitive functions are also Golly. severely impaired um the fact is um they're saying he would not legally be competent enough to stand trial. So, therefore, they may not be able to press any charges against him. So, yeah. I would assume that that's probably the least of his worries at this point. So, he had, like, brain damage. Yeah, yeah. They, I mean, they said that he had several strokes um, when he was unconscious. So, he's not doing good. No, not at all. We're not going to see Lamar Odom uh, probably doing any big interviews. Certainly not interviews, playing uh, yeah. interviews even. Wow. I mean, some people were initially saying he he could probably be playing next season or something like that. But really, I mean, I don't I don't think that's even realistic in the next well ever. How old is is Lamar Odom? Is that even in the cards? He's my age, I think. I don't think he's. I think we're pretty close. Let me see if I can pull it up. I'm bringing it up right now. I think he's 36. He's younger than Derek. Yeah, he? he's 36 20, years old. Yeah, I was say, oh, he's younger than me. Yeah, yeah. So that's crazy. Wow. Okay. worth $30 million. That's a lot of coke. All right, moving right along. Story number five. Story number five um, is on Dennis Rodman. Okay. Who is, <laughs> used to be one of my all-time favorites. I still love, well, um, I don't love all everything he does. I, yeah, yeah. I used you got to love his game. Yeah. His game, I patterned my rebounding skills after him. I watched a lot of Dennis Rodman footage in my life. Um, so apparently Dennis Rodman hired this company to retrieve some lost assets. Um, but now that company is suing him for allegedly disappearing after they helped him recover the money and did not give them the cut. So the company, um, Assets International says it was hired to recover unclaimed property for Rodman in exchange for 30% of the property's worth. So the company says it found $96,000 for Dennis Rodman at the Michigan Department of Treasury's Unclaimed Property Division. So the Assets International says uh, Rodman, once they told him about it, he disappeared. They later found out that Rodman retrieved the money all by himself, meaning that they lost out on $28,000 worth of a commission. Which was illegal. Which is illegal. So, um... He's not saying anything right now besides he wants to blame it on his former business manager, who they say is pretty sketchy. But um, that could be interesting to watch. So Very interesting. I, yeah. This reminds me of the um, – I forget exactly who it was, but I, I don't ever want to be in the position to where I'm advising someone like Dennis Rodman. Because what <laughs> – right? <laughs> Right, because what if he's crazy? Yeah, years <laughs> down the road, any any of these guys. I mean, and I shouldn't group all um, professional athletes together, but even if you give the most prudent, what is the word? There's a word. Um, I'll think of it. But prudent advice, and and you 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 have a a um, fiduciary 
responsibility and you you actually act on that. You act in the capacity of a fiduciary, which means you would do exactly what a prudent man would do uh, with their money. They still can make horrible decisions and years later then say, golly, that guy's sketchy. Look, he, hell, he advised this guy when he right before he went bankrupt, right? I mean, you could be the most honest advisor ever. And then it just blows up in your face and you're all of a sudden labeled as being dishonest. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I think that's a risk you take in this kind in that kind of a business. Yeah, certainly. So, all right, moving right should along. Add, I want to know, should we add a story number six and add Kelly's story that he thought was going to be on I here? I think we should because I'm really interested to know what it was. Okay, I'm not even going to look it up, but here's my depiction of it, mm-hmm. okay? Cuban baseball player Yasiel Puig. Oh, I yeah. saw this, actually. <laughs> it was close. Just chilling, uh-huh. just chilling in a restaurant, all right, with his sister. Having a few drinks. Having a few drinks. Gets into a little bit of an argument with her. Pushes her. Pushed her. Pushes his sister. No good. That's not good. No mas. No, no mas. Should be, you know, no no mas. They should have said, I'm sure they're speaking Spanish to each other. But this guy, Yasiel Puig, I saw him play in person last year. I went to see the Reds against the Dodgers. And this guy is as built physically of a guy as there is. Okay? So imagine this guy sitting there having a couple drinks. He gets very mad. So mad that he pushes his own sibling, his sister. The restaurant staff comes up to him and says, sir, you can't be doing that. And he punches him. What does he do? He holds up and he punches the restaurant manager. Then the staff proceeds to attack Yasiel Puig. He's throwing people off of him left and right, fighting everybody who's coming, taking on all comers. The Incredible Hulk. The Incredible Hulk. Steroids are out of baseball. What's that? Good thing steroids are out of baseball. Oh, yeah, yeah. There's nothing to do with roid rage here. This this uh, situation has nothing to do with Roy Rage. Okay, but the most astonishing and impressive part of the story to me is this. At the end of the day, the restaurant and Yasiel Puig both said, it's all good. We're not pressing any charges. Nobody's at fault here. <laughs> the re- and what that tells me is the restaurant staff who jumped in and ganged up on Yasiel Puig, they feel that they, they got so engaged in this fight that they wouldn't have any legal grounds to sue this multimillionaire. So they're just going to say, no harm, no foul. We had a fist fight. You punched our manager. We're not going to sue you. It's just absolutely amazing to me that this happened. I, I don't know why. That, that would get, I got to vote for Wallace Gilberry because that is amazing. And, and um, people like that, you know, there's charitable athletes who do good all the time in all seriousness. Draymond Green's one of them. Uh, there's people who live within their means and donate to charities and give back. Um, and it happens a lot more than we give credit for. But Absolutely. It, it really does. Um, but the more exciting stories, if we're being honest, are Yassiel Puig pushing his sister and then punching a restaurant manager. The question that I have is what could a brother and a sister as adults <laughs> get into it in public? So bad about that the, you have to push. Oh, I don't know. I, me and my sister could probably get into it pretty good. But you're not going to push her. No, I'm not going to push her. Not no. Not, not more. I mean, when we were kids, maybe. But. Mike, you almost just said not in public. <laughs> <laughs> no, but when you're younger, maybe. But in all seriousness, Yasiel Puig is physically just—he's like Bo Jackson 2.0. Have you guys seen this guy? He's a big guy. I've he, seen him. I saw him play in Dodger Stadium uh, two years ago. 
He's and a big I, dude. I don't. I'm not saying I have a man crush on him or anything like that. But I mean, this Are guy you sure? uh, maybe a little bit. This guy is physically just jacked as much as anybody in baseball. Is just a lean uh, ball of muscle, and he pushes his sister and then punches some random restaurant manager. I mean, that, that's a, a hell of a story for me. So I vote for Wallace Gilberry. In his buying however much money that he spent on the random family at the, the store. Uh, but Yasiel Puig deserves honorable mention. And, I mean, we can't leave Jalil Okafor out of this. The 0-17 Sixers, and, you know, Jalil Okafor deserves a lot of credit for someone yelling, you suck, and you struck out with these two girls. Maybe they said something like, you're ugly. <laughs> and he punches them in the face. Good stuff. Yes, sir, Puig, by the way, is 6'2", 255 pounds of solid muscle. So he's like, he's linebacker size. And he, he's not he's heavy. He's than linebackers, actually. Yeah. Right? And he's one of the fastest guys in baseball. Yeah. He, he's an absolute freak of an athlete. Um, so what do you guys vote? What's your what's your vote go for for Ashley's Loco Cinco this week? Mine is going for Jalil Okafor and the um... – Reality check that just because you're in the NBA doesn't mean chicks dig you. Okay. All the time. That, All the time. I mean, I'm sure that's rare and few and far in between, but it happens. So I'm I would, I agreeing with Ashley just because I, like, I kind of enjoy the humiliation of the dookie. So. And, and you know what I like the most about the Yasiel Puig story is the little footnote at the end that says, neither side's pressing charges. Like, yeah. what the hell? <laughs> what the hell? Neither side's pressing charges? There was a fist fight in the middle of a random restaurant, and both sides are like, yeah, it's all good. So what I would like from that Jalil Okafor story is if Jal- all Jalil Okafor cared about is if he came out and released a statement and said, I did not hit on those girls. I did not get shot down. I, I wish that's what he was concerned with. Me too. <laughs> I do like the, I, I the would, aspect that it had to do with like, him getting shot down. I'd like a very T. Will-esque yeah. statement. <laughs> Something alluding to him being Elvis would be fantastic. Him being what? Elvis. Elvis, okay. The Elvis of Elvis the 76ers. Yes. I'd like him to say something like that. Yeah. Okay, who's the biggest, baddest linebacker on the Bengals? Uh, Vontae's perfect. All right, Vontez perfect. Let's see. So He's let's, big. Let's have curiosity, okay? He's, he weighs about 250. He is listed at 6'1", 248. So, <laughs> Yasiel Puig is a bigger man than Vontez perfect. Wow. So, yeah. And he, I guarantee he's fast. I'm not saying he'd be better at football or anything. Vontez perfect is an animal. No, obviously not. Yeah, I, I don't think anyone's saying that. But, but, this but is a just strength-wise, <laughs> to push his sister. Well, I guess we, we, if we're being fair here and equal opportunists, equal opportunists, and we're not being sexist at all, we don't know how big his sister is. <laughs> That's right. It could be like That's Steve true. Adams. <laughs> Steve Adams, who played in the Derby Classic a couple years ago, now plays for the Oklahoma City Thunder. His sister uh, won the gold medal for New Zealand in the shot put, and she was six six, like, like 257 or something like that. So <laughs> I remember Nick Mangold, the center out of Ohio State, who's the center for the Jets. He has a sister who's one of the strongest women in the world. We're going to head to a break. We appreciate everybody tuning in. Please give us a call on the Oxmoor Chrysler Dodge Jeep and Ram buzz line, 502-384-1450. We're going to head to a break, and we'll be back with more of the weekend sports buzz.
You can sing it there, Ashley. <laughs> Welcome back to the Weekend Sports Buzz here on 1450 WXVW. Brought in by Pretty Young Thing by Michael Jackson in honor of Ashley Miller, who is in studio today. Thank you. I've been missing that. Oh, speaking of young things, um, shout out to Derek Anderson. Okay. Annabelle, your birth. Oh, Lord. <laughs> Sorry, that was my fault. Oh, thanks, Mike. Um, whose North Oldham sixth grade team is oh, 3-0. Oh, that's right. So they're 3-0 so far this season. Looking is he the head coach of he them? He is the head coach of the sixth graders. Head coach of the sixth grade team. Loving is, it. Is this his first, he- is this his first coaching his first, like, official head coaching official job. Official coaching job. Very cool. What do, yeah. you th- what do you think of that, Mike? Do you think Derek should get into coaching? He seems think, like the type of guy, if he wanted, he could just be, the, uh, be a head coach in the NBA. Listen, Derek does a great job with, like, with the workouts he does with my daughter, and he's in his camps. He's phenomenal and teaching the kids the right things, and he definitely needs to be impacting the the young people. And I'll tell you what else. We need more of especially the women who play who's played sports. We need women to give back to their sport. We need more women coaching these young girls and being a role model for these girls and get you know and and that's really important too. I, athletes who have the ability to impact lives in the coaching realm can really do a lot of really good things for kids and I know in my sense, I still talk to a lot of the kids I've coached over the years, and they're, you know, they're like little nieces and nephews to me that I, that I'll always be there for and always be there to help. And I think it's just a very impactful thing to do. Very cool. Sixth grade. I'd like to hear some details. Have you watched the games? Me? Yeah. I'm at every practice. I'm an assistant. Oh, okay. Uh, how tall <laughs> is the tallest guy in that sixth grade? Team? Um, the tallest kid Tall. is Max, who. Um, I'm five nine and a half. He's probably five seven. Okay. Maybe he's probably pushing five eight because he's starting center me right in the eye. Starting center. Actually, he um he actually comes off the bench, so he's he's good. Um, but he's like he just grew okay a lot, so he's, so he's still, still a little bit yeah he's getting size. comfortable with his body. Um, but our our starting center is. Peyton, who's he's actually probably more like five seven, and Peyton's more, or yeah, and Max is more like five eight, five eight and a half. Um, but Peyton is um, he can shoot pretty well. He's got a nice stroke on the ball. Um, he's got some decent post moves for a big guy. I've been running him a little bit, so he's lost a little weight. Very <laughs> but, cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, those guys are awesome, and they've got um, some good little guards. A couple kids that are. Um, Great football players that are monsters on the boards. That helps. Um, yeah, love it, love it. But they're good. Um, and I, I actually got up extra early this morning to bake them cookies. Oh, <laughs> so wow. they're getting chocolate chip cookies this afternoon in practice. Well, you know, you know who's not good? Who? The Philadelphia Eagles. Oh, or the and, uh, and, we or, know why. Or the Sixers. We know why the Philadelphia Eagles are bad. Why, why is that? And that is because they got rid of my boo. My original boo, who's that? Is Tim Tebow. Oh, well, we do know that you know we talked at the beginning of the year that he was either going to look like a genius or it was going to flop on his face, and we've got to think that the Chip Kelly experiment in Philadelphia is coming very close to an end, and uh, that he'll probably be back in college football next year, which is probably a good thing for college football. Oh yeah, no, he's he's definitely a um, uh, 
revolu- I would almost say revolutionary college football mind in what he built at Oregon. So there's no – that's the cool thing about being Brad Stevens or Chip Kelly or Rick Pitino is when you make the jump from college to the professional ranks, you might as well swing for the fences, right? Because if you, if you, if you completely strike out, that's okay because you'll be able to have your pick of the litter when it comes time to – to go back to the college ranks. And I would I would even interject that a lot of coaches do that to get out of their current coaching job. Sure. And I, I would think, actually say that. I think Patino did it. I think, like, people do it to say, you know what, I'm not really feeling this situation anymore, but I can't just up and go to another college because then people are going to ask questions and I might have to go ahead and. You think Rick wanted out of Lexington? Absolutely. Oh, yeah. He wouldn't have left if he didn't. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> right? He constantly talks about how he regrets it. I've and, never heard yeah. him say he regretted it. Um, oh but I, I he, 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 he did say that he left, what was the term, the historical term? Camelot, Camelot is what he calls it. He, he, he has called it that. It's not for everybody, and especially, yeah. particularly with a fan base. And I, I think this is true of most SEC schools, in football at least. I think Kentucky is unique in that they're like that in basketball more so than any other sport in that their fans are very emotional. In that you could be in, and even Cal said it, which last week, which actually shocked me that he said it out loud. That this week, um, after the, after they beat Duke, he's like the man, he's the king of the world. But if they dropped a game to Wright State the next week, everybody would be calling for his head. And some people just don't want to deal with that after so long. Um, and I think too, after um, the national championship, they won, then they lost and runner up, and then people were giving him a, a, a lot of grief about whether or not why he didn't play um, Derek and they could have won and blah, 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 blah. It just gets old. I'm after sure. A while. So it's talk about how Nazi didn't hit his free throws. And, you know, I, I overall, there's no one who thought Rick should have been gone from Lexington. And then, and he did not have any pressure. The guy could have ran for governor and after that loss and would have won the governor's race. Yeah, but and but it's I, a lot of pressure and not everybody wants to live in that. Why do you why do you th- yeah, why do you think so he really was not a lot of pressure? It's why, not like Kentucky. Why? I mean, there's nobody I would say that I would say the fan base in Louisville. We talked I think we've talked about this before. Like the fan base in Louisville are mostly like working people. They come to games to be entertained. They they're better have a good they're time. better people. They go home. No big they're deal. People. <laughs> well, I mean you know. That's not what you said. That's what Kelly said. I yeah, heard yeah, yeah. Kelly says it. Um, I mean because he's the resident be- thug that he he's a he Kelly. has a good litmus test. Ashley for- might run for office again. She so she's definitely not gonna say that. <laughs> Well, yeah. I, I mean, mean, if you look at all things considered, all things Louisville considered, fans are better people. Louisville fans I, I are wait. more chill. They're more relaxed. We win a game. Everybody's excited. We lose. We're like, dang it. That sucks. People are kind of pissed off for a day or two. Nobody's like, oh, Rick's got to go. Like, for the most part. There's a few. Um, there's always a few. There's people. always a few. On yeah. um, Kentucky, people take off work for the week to come to the games um, because they drove in from the country, and this is like – the middle, like, it's a huge part of who they are as an individual. So they take every win and every loss very literally, take it very personally. If Kentucky loses, crucify Cal. He sucks. If he wins, you know, make him run for president. So it, it's 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 so drastic with even within 24 hours of each other. And some people just don't want to deal with that. And although it's a great – atmosphere. I you couldn't pay me to live in Lexington. 
I, you couldn't pay me to live in Lexington either just because of the infrastructure of Lexington stinks, but not not for anything else. But, you know, I personally, you know, obviously see the other side. I don't know how you could cheer for Louisville over Kentucky when you have the choice, but, you know, that's that's, that's what makes it all great. So, But uh, I don't think that Rick – the only reason I feel like Rick left Lexington is because he had the chance to go rebuild another story franchise in the Celtics. He's like, I, I, re, I resurrected this franchise – or this – this legendary program in Kentucky. I want to go do this in Boston. He thought and he was going to get Tim Duncan too. He I, thought he was going to get Tim Duncan for sure. Yeah, I totally and, uh, disagree with you. And I don't think he wanted out of Lexington in any way, shape, or form. But um, I don't. At least I've never even heard anything to even like remotely say that that was the case. Would but, he say it out loud? Probably not. Most coaches probably wouldn't. But a lot of times, people leave from college, go to the NFL or the NBA, just. To say, and then people understand it. Oh yeah, he went to the league. Um, but then well, they Tubby's, Tubby's deal was. I mean, I think that was obviously the case that Tubby didn't want to put up with it anymore. And then obviously Tubby was probably pretty close to not having it be on his own accord anyway, um, which is, is totally unfortunate because were they, you know, I don't. Maybe they weren't the, as successful as they were under Rick, but you still can't. Um, he was still he was still at a getting the job done at a very high level. and I, I feel like y'all did Tubby real wrong. They yeah, got and, Billy Gillespie, and I said, that's what you get. And he's the greatest. Tubby's one of the greatest human beings. Just like we talk about Tom Izzo, same thing with, with Tubby Smith. So um, I, so I'm not I'm not against that, what you're saying on that at, at all, Ashley, because, you know, sorry. I actually like Tubby basketball. Sorry, guys. Sorry to steal the show here, but – we got to make our NFL picks real quick if we can. We got to hit another break before the end of the show. We got about. Do we want, do we want to do the break now? And do come the break back? now and come back. Do the pick. Okay, let's see here. All right, we'll go to a break real quick. Give me just a moment. I'll cue up a, a, a good song here. Um, but yeah, no, I think Rick Pitino thought that he was going to have. Um, he thought he was going to have Tim Duncan. He, he he tried to do what Pete Carroll has successfully done, and that is go. To the pros, win a title, uh, be known as someone who did it at both levels. I guess Larry Brown's the only one who's ever done that. Rick likes stuff like that. He was swing, right. swinging for the fences, and then when he when he did strike out, much to the theory that I proposed earlier, he was able to choose the best job in all of college basketball, which is to come back to Louisville. We're going to head to a break. We'll be right <laughs> back with more of the weekend sports buzz. Stay tuned. <laughs> 